the following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello there. Hello. How are you? Bored. <laughs> hey, don't. Hang on, I gotta go. Quit all. Ah, Mayor. Ah, hang on. The dog is caught in the wires underneath the console again, and this is gonna cross the problem. Ah, okay. Move your foot. No, no. Ah, yeah. Go. Out, 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 out. <laughs> Stop it. She unplugged the Oh, dogs. Sorry, continue. <laughs> All right, stand by. Here we go. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Listen, if you were to drive off in this wonderful, beautiful IROC Z, what would be the first song you play as you drive off? We'll review the best answers and put Alan's music knowledge to the test. Canadians can't seem to get enough sex toys during isolation. Don't know what that says about us, but we'll try to explore that question. We'll tell you what the hottest gadgets are. Plus, Tiger King returns. Carol Baskin. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Do you still get broadcast nightmares do you remember at the beginning oh, of your career funny that you should mention it that's all i've been having the last five or six nights people have been talking about how the coronavirus lockdown has led to some pretty bizarre nightmares i i don't think i get broadcast nightmares like i used to but i suppose we should probably explain to those who aren't in the business what makes a broadcast nightmare a little bit different from a regular nightmare yeah now you understand that broadcasting almost always as far as you and i are concerned worked in real time mm-hmm. so we say it here it comes out someplace else so there's no buffer between us and whatever anybody hears or perceives or sees uh, in the real world. And um, there are these dreams and they, they something is going wrong as you are either trying to do something on the air or as you're doing something on the air. And no matter how hard you try, you can't correct the problem. In my case, the record is always running out or I can't get to the control room on time because uh, I, the, the hallway keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And the more I run down the hallway, the longer it gets. And the song is running out and running out and running I, out. Yeah. And um, I realized that I'd forgotten that I had put the record on and I had left the room. And, oh, my God, the record must be out by now. And I run back to the control room. Uh, my wife, who is a broadcaster, says that she remembers having nightmares where the letters and the words fall off the page. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, tr- you turn the page on your script and there's nothing on the next page. Yes. Something like that. And the thing is, is th- those radio nightmares stop being nightmares once they come true. 
Like I, I've had it where you hit print on, on your newscast and it's it's printing away in the background while you're working on other stuff. And at the last minute, you run into the to the control room. You, you grab the stuff off the printer on your way. You sit down. The first page is there, but the printer jammed and all the rest of the pages are all screwed up. And you have to get over it. You have to continue to function as though nothing was going wrong. And once you figure out how to do that, you never have that nightmare again. And I had that nightmare come true last week oh that okay we'll get to that in just a second <laughs> but i, I want to beg to differ that uh once you experience it in real life it goes away no no well some of them you can't experience in real life like for example my favorite one was um the cart which uh, to those not in radio it looks like an eight track cassette but they're a little bit smaller and they're designed to be used primarily at before automation and digital for commercials and for shorter songs and uh, you I, you would try to put the cart into the cart deck machine and the hole for the cart was smaller than the actual cart and you couldn't jam it in that's a good one i don't remember ever having something like that but uh, i i I, I totally sympathize with with uh, anybody who has ever had a broadcast stream. Now, what I'm finding out, and we're going to get back to your problem last week. <laughs> what I'm finding out is that uh, a lot of people are having epidemic dreams, pandemic dreams. Uh, they're so stressed that when they go to bed, close their eyes, finally fall asleep, all these hidden fears come out in the form of dreams. So if you are having weird dreams these days, you are not alone. The type of dream you have depends on you and your particular fears and vices and uh a sleep medicine expert dr meyer krieger who is a professor of pulmonary medicine and a clinical professor of nursing at yale says that it's possible that our brains are just trying to find a time when things weren't like that it's like when sometimes people are trying to fall asleep and they can't turn their minds off and they'll think about a time when things were better yeah but how does that explain that the nightmares? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, does it? It just explains that we're having unusual dreams. Yeah. Um, but the stress of the pandemic, according to the article, can result in dreams that are equally upsetting, as dreams can not only help us cope, but also reflect reality. Yeah. Wow, this is a real bullshit article. All right, let's it, talk about... It, it is whatever it is you want it to be. Anyway, so I apologize. Uh, I had a broadcast nightmare come true last week where we did the live stream. You recorded the backup safe recording on your end. I did not record a backup safe recording on my end, and sure enough, my end was completely shot. You, you got nothing from it. I it, it, there there was this a frequent popping click that was throughout the entire thing, like it was some sort of operating system glitch. Uh -huh. And as a like like I actually contemplated editing the entire show and then ADRing everything I said, saying it again. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, yeah, no. So to your um, assertion, we should never put out inferior quality material. So we did not. Yeah, and it's just as well, uh, because what did we talk about? We talked about, uh, oh, was it Tiger King? We talked about Tiger King. Yeah, so we, we spared everybody a, uh, a lot of Tiger King talk, which is, is probably fine. And yes, you're welcome. On the Geeks and Beats Twitter feed, I posted a really fun photo of a 1985 iRock Z. I saw that. 
The caption reads, it's 1985, you just bought this car. What's the first song you play as you drive off in it? And we got some great responses. We should explain that IROC stands for International Race of Champions. And it was a version of the Chevy Camaro. Right. And uh, I will confess that I had a 1979 Firebird at one point. I like them hot. So I got me a 79 Pontiac Firebird. It's a hot car. Hot price, too. And when you got to go, it goes. It had a whopping 237 V6 engine which probably cranked out somewhere in the neighborhood 140 to 160 horsepower. So it was a dog. However, it had a bitchin' stereo system. <laughs> of course it had to. I could blow anybody away. Was it 8-track? Was it 8-track? No, it was cassette. Oh, for, for, for the late 70s, that was new. Well, no, I, I, I had a, there was a, a stock AM radio in there that I pulled no. out. The Delco? It was a Delco, yeah, with the push buttons. So 1985 had an upgraded suspension, lower ride height, a specially valved Delco Bilstein shocks, larger diameter sway bars. I don't even know what any of this means. Mm -hmm. A steering frame brace known as the Wonder Bar and a special decal package and an optional tuned port injection system from the Chevy Corvette. Yeah, what that made it, that made it sound cool. All that other stuff, uh, well, see, what you have to understand about these cars is that they were reasonably fast off the line, and they could do a pretty good quarter mile using the technology of the day. Now, a supercar today would just eat them for lunch. But the problem with these cars is they would see a corner, and they'd run off the road and hide in a bush. <laughs> they had absolutely no handling characteristics whatsoever. And as a previous owner, I can tell you that that is absolutely true. But if you wanted to, you know, burn rubber away from a stoplight, not a problem. So they were always fiddling with the suspension, trying to make it uh, a little bit more amenable to corners, but that never really worked. We got a ton of responses. Not only do we get a ton of responses, but our ace producer, Vanessa Azoli, then went in and responded to every one of them with what is a possibly fake fact. Okay. So I thought we would run these possibly fake facts by you, and you tell me whether you think it's a true fact or it's false. Okay, let's try ready this. for this? I, I'm, I'm, I'm down for this. Go ahead. So when we asked, what's the first song you play in as you drive off, Chris, backwards Sir HC, on Twitter had written Strutter by Kiss... It's possible that's a song from 1975-ish. And is one of the few Kiss songs written by Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley together. True or false? Oh. I didn't... Okay, I'll say true. Correct. That is true. Oh. Okay, number two on the list. And we've, we've got a few of them. More Than a Feeling, Boston. 1977. Tom Scholz worked on the song for five years in his basement studio before it was released on this album. Possibly fake fact. No, it's true. He had a, he did everything in his basement, and he did it away from all record companies. Uh, and, yeah, he uh, was very proud of the fact that he, this was a homegrown project. All right, that one was from Andrew Stokely. This one was from me. My suggestion, I would drive away playing Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf. And this song is about Nick Rhodes' family dog, who he frequently joked looked like a wolf. Is that true or false? I have no idea. I'll just say false. Correct. It is false. 
Oh, okay. So I'm three for three. Good. You are three for three so far. Wade said, Rock You Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions. Yes. In 1985, Scorpions have been together as a band for 20 years. Uh, 19. True or false? Uh, it is true. They have been together since 1964, I think. That is correct. Okay. JPG wrote, Pour Some Sugar on Me. And this song is the most widely used stripper song in the world. I would believe that, yes. <laughs> well, Vanessa writes fake, oh. but also may be true. Who knows? This stat isn't published. <laughs> well, no. I've, you know, I, I'm not a frequent visitor to strip clubs, but every time I have been in one, I've heard that song. Well, there you go. Let's hear it for Destiny. She's going to pour a little sugar on it. See, I can do it. Destiny with two eyes? Uh, and a heart over the eyes. What's the first song you play in as you drive off? Kevin Sykes writes The Stroke by Billy Squire. Okay, 80, 82, I think. Now, Billy asked Queen's Brian May to produce his second album. May declined, but Freddie Mercury and Roger Taylor sang backing vocals on the title track for Emotions in Motion. Hashtag possibly fake facts. True or false? I don't know. I was a reasonably big Billy Squire fan back in the day. I'm going to say false. It's true. Really? Wow. Toronto Today wrote, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham. Uh-huh. Does, doesn't scream I rock kind of song. No, it doesn't. No, you know, what would happen is that they, people would stand in front of your car, drag you out of the driver's side door, uh, and, and, and beat you to a pulp. Andrew Ridgely was thrown out of the Live Aid after party for his wild drunken behavior. Hashtag possibly fake facts. Um, I'm going to say true. It is true. Well, that was just a blind guess. Radar love. Our own Amber Healy suggested that one. Golden Earring, 1973. Golden Earring was formed in Germany in the early 1970s. Incorrect. They were formed in the Netherlands. Uh, yes, but you only get half point. Because <laughs> they were formed in the 60s, not the 70s. Uh, well, yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. Well, not to put too fine a point on it, but... No, no. The question the first... was Germany, and I said the Netherlands, and you, I didn't wait for the rest of the question. So if this was... Oh, I see. See, if, if okay. this was uh, Jeopardy, I'd be locked out. It's 1985. You just bought this car. What's the first song you play in it as you drive off? The Sonic Collective wrote, Panama. Okay, Van Halen, 84, so possible. The lyrics are about a stripper David Lee Roth met in Arizona, not at the canal. That is true. Oh, isn't it? Uh, yes, I was just waiting for you to elaborate. No, I don't know much about. I know that it had to do with the stripper. That's all I know. I didn't even know she was from Arizona. T Mac writes, "White snakes, here I go again." Ugh. Really? Yeah, I'm just not a white snake fan. The song was written after Tommy Aldridge's fourth divorce. Hashtag possibly fake fact. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say. False. Yeah, you're correct. It's false. Yeah, so I think Tony Katane is in the video for Here I Go Again. And what the interesting thing is that there is a nip slip in the video. Oh, jeez, oh, really? Yeah, that, uh, and I think I've got the right video. It is a, it is Tony Katane. It is a white snake, snake video. And there is a point where her shirt falls open. And it's very, 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 very quick. In fact, it's so quick that even Beavis and Butthead took a long time to pick up on it <laughs> but it ran on mtv uncensored for years despite the fact that uh, well and you know what americans are, are, are like with nipples right and the nip slick is at two uh, 
and the nip slick and the nip slip is at two minutes and 19 seconds into the song. <laughs> just in case you want to, just in case you want to call it the video on YouTube, two minutes, 19 seconds. YouTube. Boom. Um, sorry. White snake. What's the song again? Here I go again. Here I go again. Here I go again. You said two minutes and what? 19 seconds. Hey, wait a minute. Wasn't this from 1987? Yeah, but you didn't buy the car new. Yeah, but it was 1985. Yeah, but you didn't buy that car new in 85. You bought a 19... The question but was... But the song you, didn't come out till 87... No, no, you, the question was, you bought a 1985 IROC. There was nothing in your question about it being brand new. No, no, no. It The, the headline reads, it's 1985. Oh. Well, then, yeah. So this... Uh, if that's the... if Okay. Okay, you said two minutes and what? 19 seconds. Two minutes and... Whoa! Yeah. That is like obvious. So there she's on top of the car. Yeah. And then boom, there it is. It's not even a second. Not even. God, how? Uh, yeah. Oh, I managed to freeze frame right on it. Jeff Boots, Guns N' Roses, Paradise City. Okay. Paradise City was New Orleans. <laughs> I never even thought about it. I'll say no. False. Correct. That is a false fact. And the very last one, when we asked, it's 1985, you just bought this IROC, what's the first song you play in it as you drive off? Jeff Darby wrote, Jump by Van Halen. Okay. And the possibly fake fact is they say jump 73 times throughout this song. Oh, there's no way they say it that many times. <laughs> so Jeff said, challenge accepted. I hope I can count that high. Stay tuned. And then... <laughs> Three minutes and 50 seconds later, at the solo, going to take the under. Official tally, Van Halen say jump 23 times throughout the song, jump. <laughs> Another win for a productive today. Yay. See, we have all kinds of time these days to do things that we would have otherwise ignored. Clearly, we're choosing to spend that time playing with ourselves. <laughs> Could you rephrase, please, counselor? Well, you sent me a link earlier today. It says Canadians can't get enough sex toys during coronavirus isolation. Yeah, it's, it's listen, people are, people are locked in. They have nothing to do, so they're finding things to amuse themselves. I, I, I debate this. I debate this strenuously. There's this theory that in nine months we're going to see a baby boom. Ooh. Trust me, any couple that already has a child in the house will not be having any more <laughs> at all exactly yeah it's 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 possible i think that the uh, the newbies and the newlyweds will uh, be the ones that experience that bundle of joy in nine months or 10 or 11 or 12 or however long this takes and also the ones who apparently are going to naughty north because their march sales were up 142 percent month over month the stag shop in waterloo ontario says online orders have more than quadrupled an adult Toy Megastore says it had its largest sales week on record in Canada in March. Usually they see a drop off after Valentine's Day because, quote, everybody has bought their present. <laughs> Did you see Saturday Night Live this week? I have yet to see it. That's the plan for after this. Yeah, okay. There, there is a, um, a skit that's really funny about how several women have said that they've just basically killed vibrators. And now for another episode of How Low Will You Go? Hello and welcome to How Low Will You Go? The only dating show for sexy singles just getting out of that quarantine. I'm your host, Alex Burpee. That's right. My dad invented laying down and then getting up 
really quick. Now, let's meet our contestants. My name is Tara, and halfway through quarantine, you know I broke my vibrator. What's up? I'm Haley. and during quarantine, I broke two vibrators and an electric toothbrush. Hey there, it's Ashley, and during quarantine, I straight up murdered all my vibrators. Pretty sure the last one was a suicide, though, because it left a note that said, you did this. Oh. Apparently, the top sellers are the Womanizer, the Magic Wand, and the auto blow. Uh-huh. And this is on a globalnews.ca video story showing off the devices. Uh-huh. You guys really loosened up over there, of course. Yeah, yeah. Listen, we are we are all about bringing the news to the people. The big sellers apparently also sexy dice and other sexified games, but apparently for the most part, people are picking in picking up high-end vibrators. It's not like you're spending money on entertainment. It's not like you're spending money on gas. It's not like you're spending money on commuting. It's not like you're spending money on all the things that you usually spend money on. So you've got a little extra, you know, it, providing you're working, of course. Pay for the batteries. Uh, yes. But Costco is still open, and you can get a lot of batteries for 20 bucks. <laughs> Netflix is dropping a new Tiger King episode. Oh, yeah. This is the one I was uh, telling you about, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're uh, going to follow up on whatever became of all the people in the in the series. And also, there's a Tiger King musical, uh, and I'm not making that up. What? Yeah. Oh, okay, we discussed this during the live stream that never ended up being a regular episode. That when um, you had told us we got to watch the Tiger King, and wife and I watched the Tiger King. Notice I called her wife, not wifey. Good. She, like, at a, right out of the gate said, there's no way he's singing those songs. And it didn't even occur to me to question it. Not that I, you know, went, oh, he's a great singer or anything. But it turns out that no. Um, not only did he not, you know, write or sing those songs, but it was uh, a Vancouver duo who were responsible for it. Yeah, they were kind of like Rebecca Black when she went out and had somebody compose and then do the video for Friday. So they would do these songs by contract or bespoke songs, kind of like you'd order a suit online. And uh, he would uh, lip sync them or sing very softly to them, but it's, it certainly wasn't Joe Exotic doing all the singing. Now, what's funny mm. is that there have been a number of metal bands that have taken up the challenge and are doing covers of Joe Exotic songs, and they're hysterical. Oh, really? Yes. So just enter Metal Band Covers Joe Exotic and watch what pops up. What we had discussed on uh, the live stream was that uh, the band that actually made the music was Vince Johnson and Danny Clinton. And they were based out of Vancouver. And for years, um, they had been doing this kind of thing. And uh, not only that, but their big break happened about 10 years ago. I don't remember the big break they had. Oh, you do from last week because it was when their music was chosen to be played in the film Nude Nuns with Big Guns. That's right. I'd forgotten about Nude Nuns with Big Guns. How could you? Freak Show Entertainment is proud to present the most unholy film you'll see this year. Forgive me, Lord, for I'm about to sing. I'm not the Lord. He only works through me. What is said here is between us and God. I'm not here to confess any sins. I'm here to commit them. 
Okay, so New Duns with Big Guns is a, let me just call it up on IMDb because it is there. Nude Nuns with Big Guns. And that does take me to the right spot. Yes, it gets two out of five stars on IMDb. It was released in 2010. You will not recognize anybody in the cast. Uh, here is the summary. Mentally abused, enslaved, and coerced into prostitution, a left-for-dead, merciless sister will take on a mission straight from God, whacking sinners in a strictly personal, no-prisoners, no vigilante war. So, um, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes, and there isn't even enough of a consensus yet to give it a tomato score. See, you know, the problem is that we're going to come to the end of Netflix soon. Yeah, as in you've watched it all? Yeah, and we're going to be um, digging deeper for this sort of stuff. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Tim Scamell is a counselor at the Village of New Maryland, and he wrote in to us talking about 48 years ago, he was eight years old in England, visiting his mother's family, and he caught a bad cold. Gave him a bad infection in his left ear. Didn't really think much about it. And on the return flight back to Toronto, all seemed normal. But then he heard a loud buzzing while he was lying in bed. He went to a special hearing department at Sunnybrook Hospital. And he had deter they had determined he lost 100% of his hearing in his left ear, likely the result of a pressure change in the plane. Now, as someone who takes a lot of plane trips, or at least used to, I can imagine this was much concern to you. Oh, yeah. But also that hearing aids don't work on his type of deafness, and cochlear implants help those with two bad ears, but not one. He says it's not an, it's an inconvenience, but it doesn't bother him much anymore until he listened to our show, like the recent one, talking about all the seriously cool things being done with 360-degree audio. And then it feels like a kick in the gut. I sometimes forget that not everybody has stereo hearing. Yeah, I know. I um, This sort of, sort of thing... This same sort of thing happened to Brian Johnson of ACDC. Uh, what happened was that they played a show in Winnipeg, and it was very, very cold and rainy and wet. Then they had to play a show in Vancouver, and they immediately got on their private plane and flew to Vancouver. And as a result of how he was feeling and whatever else the cold had done to his ears, he ended up with a, a terrible hearing problem that ended up... Um, crystallizing from what i understand crystallizing the liquid in his inner ear and that buggered everything up which explains why he wasn't able to finish that particular tour with uh, acdc and why axel rose took over for the rest of it uh same sort of thing you know, cochlear implants would not work for that um all kinds of treatments would not work for that so he sort of had to wait it out and hope that somehow he can find something that will dissolve these crystals in his uh, in his inner ear. Can you imagine being a, a professional singer, a professional musician, and, and losing your hearing? I mean, it happened with Huey Lewis, too. He he had the same kind of problem. He had something called Meniere's disease, and uh, he would get terrible rumbling or, or hissing or, or uh, high-pitched whine in his ears, and he couldn't sing because he couldn't hear himself. I want to say thank you to uh, Marty Steele. And not only is he a member of the world's worst intern program, and what makes it the worst is you pay us to work on the show, don't do any actual work, and all you get is us saying thank you. He upped his donation to the show from $1 an episode to $7 per episode. And on the live stream, 
told us that he's got a connection at the Horseshoe Tavern so that once the coronavirus is lifted from the city of Toronto, he's going to get us into the Horseshoe to do a live taping of the show. Can you imagine the outpouring of relief and joy we're all going to feel when it becomes safe to go out in public again and to do things like that? I'm not convinced it's going to go down like that. I'm not. Well, I, I, that sort of supposes that there's going to be a, a, a statement or an announcement that says all clear. And, you know, like the, the siren wails and everybody can come out from their bomb shelters. And I don't think that's the way it's going to go down. I mean, it's going to be slow and, and steady. And we're all going to sort of quietly come out of hibernation like a bear in the spring. I think you're probably right. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Restaurants, for example, you got 20 tables. Well, you can only fill 10 and each table has to be separated by an empty table. Uh, I, I can see that sort of sort of thing happening. Yes. The, speaking of uh, the other thing, too, is that we don't know how long it's going to take with this coronavirus to run its course. There was something in The New York Times where they got a bunch of people together to talk about what's the future. And they suggested that we might not get back to normal when it comes to concerts and gigs until the fall of 2021. That's my theory as well. I, I think we're going to be really reluctant to get into large groups for a, a fairly long time. It was so weird. I was out for my walk again today. And it's it. I know it's the responsible thing to do, but people are coming towards me on the sidewalk. And we reach, you know, 10 or 20 feet from each other. And we swing out onto the grass so we don't have to come within six feet of each other and it's uh it hurts to see that but i mean it's the responsible thing to do by the way the state of new jersey has issued a mandatory separation policy all citizens are being asked to remain one springsteen apart I'm walking here. <laughs> Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.